Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Justin Sargent. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca B. On this episode, on top of his impressive list of regional credits such as West Side Story, For the Record Love Actually, and For the Record Baz, Pippin, Rocky Horror, Jesus Christ Superstar, and more. He has also starred as Peter Parker in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, Drew and Rock of Ages, and been in Bonnie and Clyde on Broadway. Please welcome Justin Sargent. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Love the energy. <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing? Doing great, too. It's, I mean, it's been a crazy past year, but getting through it. You know? You're telling me. Oh my goodness. Yes, it has been. Where where are you? Where do you live? Where are you located? Um, normally in California, but right now I'm in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right. Yep. Are you been Los Angeles? Is that where is that in California where you where you, where you live in or where you're from? Uh I was in Studio City. Uh I'd been there since 2015. I actually just had saw like the anniversary present when I moved into my college dorm six years ago and I've been living there ever since so oh nice awesome but yeah that's me <laughs> so uh how have you been with this time period oh my god well, it's been it's been so long it's been such a long time period it's been you yeah. know what is it it's been 10 months now I think since right theater, yeah. as of last week oh my god uh I've been good you know I've been keeping busy um a lot of projects, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some like, you know, career stuff, you know, later yeah. on, but um, mostly just working on, uh, there's a, a lot of shows that are in development that I've been, that I've, I have got my hands in. And wow. so, yeah, so a lot of those creators are taking time right now to, uh, you know, work on those shows and kind of do little Zoom readings of, even if it's just like a couple of scenes just to see how yeah. they work. So it's actually really cool. I'm, I'm very excited to see where a lot of these things uh, end up once theaters are opening because these these writers have had so much time to kind of focus in you know and, and exactly make, make changes but um i've just been doing that i have a i have a little little baby girl um and Aww. so yeah and so it's been a lot of uh daddy daddy daughter time uh because my wife has a full-time job she um she works for um um a uh you actually might know what it is it's called vidcon have you heard of vidcon oh what like wait vidcon yeah like, yeah yeah yeah. So she produces uh, VidCon uh, for all the international markets. So she's, she works on the show here in the U.S. And oh. she also, she's the executive producer of VidCon International. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's That's kind of a crazy, job. crazy job that she, that she, I you know, ended up, um, so she, you know, she'll, she's, oh my God, I'm so tongue tied right now. I'm so sorry. That's okay. So she's still working full time. So during the day it's, you know, it's me and Luna. Oh, that's so much fun. Yeah. All that and it's something that probably wouldn't happen if we weren't in this whole like quarantine situation. You wouldn't get to spend no. this much time with her. A hundred percent because uh, you know, I was I was two weeks away from starting rehearsals for a new show in New York and um we were gonna be running it for at least five or six months, uh, and then transferring to Broadway in the in the late fall of, of this past year. And so had that happened you know, uh, she would have been in daycare. She would have had, yeah. a, you know, like a, a like not, not a nanny, but like at least like a babysitter, you know, during the day. Um, and so I've got, we've got to really spend a lot of time, you know, uh, with her in this 
really crucial young developmental age. Um, and uh, it's been it's been amazing. It's been really, really wonderful. It's very, very tiring, but you know. I can imagine. I think, <laughs> how old is she? Like young. She's 15 months. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And that's when they start like walking and stuff. So it's like, you're like chasing oh, yeah. around. <laughs> she's walking, she's running, she's <laughs> all over the place. We, um, we, we were living in a um, uh, <clears throat> two bedroom apartment in Sunnyside, Queens. And we, we were just like, that's it. We gotta get out. We gotta, we gotta get to, we gotta get a house. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we moved out to West Orange, New Jersey. And this area is like, it, it's, it's, I guess it's referred to as like Broadway West because so many people live out here when they, when they have kids, you know, like there's so many people that live like within a two or three mile range of me. That's kind of insane. It was close enough to New York, but. Exactly. And uh, you can have a house and a yard and, you know. Yeah. And the, and the commute time is only really like 10 minutes longer because, you know, the train from here is only about 25 minutes into, into, uh, into Penn Station, I wow. Port Authority. I don't remember which one. I haven't done it yet because we just moved here like, two, like a month ago. So I haven't gotten yeah that's good the train. yeah so before i get into more theater what's that what's the show that you were uh working on and gonna uh be doing <clears> on broadway can you talk about it yes i can i'd love to and i'd love to promote it if i if i can yes. if you don't mind it's called super you okay um super you the musical.com it is so badass it is um do you know kennedy cogel do you know that actress i oh yes 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 Redhead, uh, she was just playing um, Carol King on and, and Beautiful. On the I've road. heard so many good things. She's amazing, and so she's um, she's the star, and I play her her co-star, her boyfriend, kind of abusive boyfriend in the show. Ooh. <laughs> um, it's a I new rock it. musical. Yeah, it's all about this this young woman who uh, kind of has a lot of you know family tragedy, a lot of things in her life are not going so well. And her brother dies in this terrible car accident. It's a whole thing. So she's dealing with a lot of grief and, and a lot of um, a lot of sadness and a lot of like like kind of she 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 kind of lost herself. And the the uh, the kind of like theme throughout the show is that she has oh boy it's it's a lot to explain. So her brother, her older brother, and her grew up in a um, in a, uh, a foster home. Okay. Their parents, yeah. their parents died when they were both young. So they grew up in a foster home and he's this amazing comic book illustrator. And he kind of encourages her to, um, you know, uh, kind of express her feelings through art and through, and through drawing. And so she creates these six superheroes that are all women that are, are part of her personalities that she, that yeah. personality attributes that she doesn't have herself. Right. Um, wow. and so they, yeah. And so they, they all like jump off the page and like they infiltrate her real life. And like, of course, only she can see them. And so um, when her brother dies, she kind of abandons all of them and they kind of disappear from her life. And she kind of throws herself into this into like meaningless jobs and, you know, kind of like data, data analysis and just kind of whatever. And then she meets this struggling musician who's, who's dealing with his own stuff. And um, she kind of like loses herself in him in a way. And it starts to become very uh, kind of emotionally abusive. And then her, so her, her comic book creations come back to her and like, no, no, remember who you are, remember where you come from, remember how strong you are, this kind of thing. And um, that's kind of where, that's kind of the launching point oh. of the show. And then it, yeah, it's pretty badass. The music is so good. 
I can imagine that kind of sounds like it'd be like almost as emotional as like a show like Next to Normal or uh, do you have It's any- so funny you mentioned that because that is exactly what I, 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 <clears throat> I always compare it to Next to Normal. I'm sorry, I'm dealing with a little voice. My voice is no, all like weird. You're all good. Um, it's but so, yeah, it is very much like Next to Normal. There's, uh, there's a lot of uh, dramatic, you know, tension and a lot of um, kind of deep, uh, uh, excavating a lot of deep emotion in the show, um, but there's also a lot of fun. And, and there's this, these six badass, you know, comic book hero uh, uh, heroines that get to, you know, come on the stage and like shoot fire out of their hands and all kinds of cool stuff. It's awesome. I'm sure it's gonna do amazing, and I can't wait to get to see it on Broadway when theater comes back. Yeah, Broadway. Um, there's also there's a there's a full like demo album that came out on Spotify during quarantine. Um, it's 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 all old stuff from like back uh, when they first started developing the show about seven years ago. So um, yeah, but but it's 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 worth a listen. It's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. I, it's crazy that it takes like that <clears throat> long for shows to be fully developed and like picked up. Oh yeah. Like it must be exhausting for the people who go through that creative process to write yeah. songs and write the show. And it's like, okay, is the show going to take off? Like what's going to happen? Do I keep working on it? Like those people who never give up on what they're writing and believe in their projects. A hundred percent. And the woman who wrote it, her name is Lords Lane. And she has this um, foundation called the Super U Foundation. And it's all about, um, it's all about reaching out to kids with disabilities and so she shows up at like schools and different organizations and like brings a box full of, you know, uh, like superhero costume elements and they kind of like create their own superheroes and she sings songs. It's so badass. And so it's, uh, she, she wrote the book, the music, she wrote everything. And she, she's, she's literally a, a genius, like went to Harvard or whatever in one of those schools. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. And I'm going to put all the links that I can find about the show in yes! the description of this. Yes. So for anyone watching. Well, anyways, to backtrack a little bit, or a lot, when was the first time you realized you had a passion for musical theater and wanted to be an actor? Oh, man. So when I was growing, I grew up in Florida. I grew up in uh, Tampa Bay area uh, in, in Florida, and I had moved from a new, from a, I moved to a new town, a new city, um, in the middle of eighth grade year. Oh, and cool. um, yeah, and so, you know, kind of had to say goodbye to a lot of my friends and make new friends this whole thing and I had an English teacher who uh was involved in the community theater and she was like hey if, you know if, if you're looking for a way to make new friends and to meet people and I was also you know kind of a class and I'm not, not a class clown but very boisterous and outspoken and always volunteered to read things and that kind of stuff and she was like oh I think you'd have a lot of fun doing community theater and so I auditioned um for Oliver at the at the Richie Suncoast Theater in Newport Richie, Florida, and got cast as the Artful Dodger, and um, that was it. And like as soon as that happened, it was just like bam, that's what I want to do. Um, and I, you know, I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of master classes, and I do a lot of uh, you know uh, outreach to educational programs all over the country. And one thing I always encourage the students to do is to join a community theater or at least go see shows there because the um, the, the thing that really you know, impassioned me about theater was that these people were all there, the adults were all there doing it for free, you know? Yeah. They were all volunteering. They, they were, you know, doctors or working at the pharmacy or working at the grocery store during the day. And then at night they were spending hours rehearsing and putting on shows for free, you know, because they loved it. And so um, it was a great way to find mentors and a great way to kind of, you know, figure out that this is, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. 
Yeah, and like making money is like fantastic and necessary, but it's great to be around people probably who truly have the passion and love for what they're doing and don't just do it for like the reason that they're making money. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you want a job because like you want to make that money, but still. <laughs> so what was the first like theater show you ever saw? Oh, it was uh, Peter Pan at the Fox theater in Atlanta, Georgia. And it yeah. blew my mind. And when we had to clap for Tinkerbell, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh my God, yes. It's like clapping for, uh, it's like clapping at the end of Defying Gravity. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tinkerbell. Yep. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. Yep, that was the first thing That's I ever saw. Um, yeah. And it's like a Disney movie. So it's like something that you probably saw as a kid. And oh yeah, I'm sure. Transferred to this, transferred to the stage, like. Yeah, and then I would go see like, I, you know, I would go see the Disney movies in, in the theaters. Like, you know, Lion King was really big when I was growing up. Um, Hunchback of Notre Dame was huge. I love that. It was like the, one of the first movies I saw where they said the word hell. And I was like, oh, this is dangerous, you know? <laughs> um, and, uh, grade, when I and heard that music, that. <laughs> what's that? Me in seventh grade when I heard that word in song lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, Disney, they're, 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 they're selling it. They're selling it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So you went to University of Central Florida why, to study theater. Why did you choose to go there and like stay close to home to study theater? Um, well, so I knew I wanted to stay in the state because I had, um, in Florida, they have what's called a Florida Bright Future Scholarship where if you, if you um, are able to, to achieve a, a certain GPA, um, then a certain percentage of your tuition is paid for. So I knew I had to go to an in-state school because I wanted to, you know, uh, you know, I didn't want to have rack up a bunch of student debt and I didn't want to have my, you know, have to rely on my, on my parents and, um, you know, while they were more than willing to, you know, help me out with whatever I needed and they were always very supportive and still are. Um, I, uh, I, I just kind of felt like I, I wanted to stay close to home and, and close to my friends. And um, so I auditioned actually for uh, UCF, I auditioned for UF, FSU and Flagler College and um, I am not uh, a strong dancer. So FSU was like, mm, we're gonna stick with some of the, some of the better dancers. Um, and you, so UCF, actually the first time I auditioned for their program, I didn't get in. Um, yeah, so I didn't get in and, uh, what's that? So you tried again, obviously. So tried again. Well, yeah, they said, you know, hey, you know, uh, we can tell that there's something there and, you know, um, we appreciate the, the talent, but, but the, the dancing is kind of a big, a big deal can you work on the dancing and come back and so you know it's a four-year program no matter when you start so i thought oh god really am i, am I gonna is this gonna be a five-year college experience for me and i'm gonna have to come back and audition after a year because they only do auditions once a year you know yeah and so i did i spent a year as a ba um and uh was loving it because it's such a well-rounded degree because it's not just performance based it's not just focused on performing it's it's focused on like the entire spectrum of what makes theater theater right um and uh was really enjoying it and working on dancing and you know so I, I took some extra dance classes for electives and kind of you know got a, a little tiny bit better and uh, auditioned the next year and, and they were like well you're still not a very good dancer <laughs> but you're better than you were. So we you know, we think we can, you know, we can help you along and um, yeah, and that was it. And so then I got accepted uh, the next year and um, yeah, I love, I love my time at UCF. 
they saw you put in the effort and through learning how like through teaching yourself how to dance and learning how to dance more you probably have a larger skill set now even if you still think you aren't the best dancer like I'm sure it's helped you in a lot of the shows you've done oh yeah sure I mean um Rock of Ages you know there wasn't a whole yeah. lot of dancing but there was some like there was some dancing there was some dancing going on you know yeah, and uh I still remember all those moves too. I still remember Motor Man. You know, I remember all that stuff. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I don't think I could ever pick up any of that dancing. So much better than like a lot of people out there could do. It took some effort. It took a lot of effort. I mean, but doesn't everything like if you're passionate, like if you're learning how to to master something, it takes it takes effort. Yeah. Totally. So what was the most valuable thing besides that dance experience that you learned at uh, University of Central Florida? Ooh, good question. The most valuable thing that I learned. Um, kind of, you know, not just don't, don't, don't be a, can I curse? Is that okay? Yeah. Just don't be an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, don't be a jerk. Don't, don't be, you know, be, be somebody that everybody wants to work with. You know, don't, there's no reason for anybody to ever be dismissive or for anybody to be, you know, uh, unkind or if, if you don't want to be there, then don't be there. You know what I mean? Like there's so much that attitude I feel, I feel like in this, in this business, you, you work with some people and they're just like, it's like, why are you, why are you here? What, what are you doing here? Like, what, like you, you obviously aren't happy, you know? And so, um, they actually did a really good job of instilling that into us. It's like, look, if you want to do this, you better act like you want to do this. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was, and so that was a very valuable lesson for me. Not that I necessarily needed that lesson, but um, I, I have definitely thought back to those days as I've gone through my career and just been like, wow, like I, I'm, I'm grateful to be where I am and to be able to do what it is I'm, I'm doing and, um, you know, uh, and never, just never take it for granted. So uh, I, I would say that, that, uh, above all the different, you know, kind of uh, performance techniques and all this kind of stuff, which which were all over, which were all over the place and wonderful. Um, I think the the most valuable lesson I learned as a as a uh, performer and as a human, honestly, was just just be grateful and and, and enjoy it. I I love that, and it it's necessary. <laughs> yeah. Love what you do. Love so, what you do, or get out. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, going forth, how uh, did University of Central Florida prepare you for your professional career? And how soon after did you start like booking? Because you've booked a lot of big Broadway stuff and regional theater. Uh, how soon after did you start booking stuff cons like consistently? Um, so they, so one thing that, that, that UCF is very, um, uh, kind of adamant about is that when you're when you are in school you you are not auditioning for professional jobs you, you are there to learn you know and um it is a it's 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 considered a conservatory program so there's a lot of work to be done yeah. uh, i i did have to work i worked at blockbuster i worked at blockbuster and uh, a restaurant called payway through all my college career I know payway. yeah hell yeah payway yes. you get? so good um but uh yeah, it was it was a, it was very 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 focused on on kind of like uh, operating as a professional theater would, you know, um, in in rehearsals and in the classroom, and so um, 
I started, I started working, uh, once I graduated, I started working at the theme parks in Orlando. Um, and so I worked at Universal Studios uh, for two seasons of Halloween Horror Nights. They did this uh, Rocky Horror Show live on stage kind of a thing. It was like a 45 minute version of the Rocky Horror Show. So I played Riff Raff. I had a bald cap and a wig and everything. It was awesome. Um, and we would do like, like seven to eight hours of shows a night. Like it would be, I'd show up at like five o'clock and like sometimes they get home at like two o'clock in the morning and our last show would be like at 1 a.m you know that kind of thing yeah it was awesome wow that's insanity but that seems so fun to get to go like work at the theme parks yeah so i did i did that i, I worked at SeaWorld. um do you know rachel potter by any chance yes 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 so rachel and i uh we co-hosted a ski show uh, called the Bayside Ski Jam at, uh, at SeaWorld. And we were just like spouting out a bunch of information about like different kinds of jumps and equipment that we had no idea what we were talking. We just memorized the script, you know, of course. And um, you got to sing like, rhythm is gonna get you, you know, like kind of, kind of cheesy music. And um, oh <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know, I did a lot of, you know, kind of corporate entertainment stuff there in, um, in Orlando. And, and then uh, Spider-Man, had was coming through Orlando because they were looking for somebody to uh be the alternate for Reeve and so a bunch of my friends were like dude you look like Peter Parker you sing rock music pretty yeah. much exclusively you have to go to audition for this and so I auditioned and uh went through all the rounds of callbacks even the final callbacks in New York uh and didn't book it and um <laughs> and, but but uh bernard telsey from the uh, telsey and company um who's it's uh, for those that, that don't know it's like one yeah. of the largest casting companies in the city or in the world actually and um they he, he after my audition he came out and was like you know do you have any plans of moving to new york and i said i mean eventually and he's like you should do it sooner than later so um i was so green i had no idea what i was doing like i brought my girlfriend with me to the audition like i you know i was like i had never done anything like this before in my life so yeah like before my audition i was like oh i, I just have to say miss tamor I'm, I'm a really big fan and it's really uh, great to be here and i was like i must have looked so like just dumb and young and whatever but um yeah you're still young after college and you're excited to like go into the real world so yeah and like it was probably my fourth like professional audition of any kind you know, let alone a, a big, for like a Broadway show. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I didn't get it, but they, uh, but, but Bernard Telsey asked me if I had plans to move to the city and I said, eventually he said, do it sooner than later. So uh, six months later, I showed up in New York and emailed him, I was like, hey, I'm here, <laughs> you know? And that was it, you know? And then, and then it was just kind of like, he, he held up his, his end of the, of the promise and he started calling me in for stuff. and. Yeah. Wow. So when you booked your first role in New York, what was your reaction? Was it, uh, was it Bonnie and Clyde, the first thing you got? Uh, no, actually, the first thing I got was Rock of Ages. Um, okay. Back when Rock of Ages was still at the Brooks Atkinson Theater, um, they had, Jeff Packard was the swing on that show, and he was oh leaving, he was leaving Rock of Ages to go do something else in DC with Laura Molina. I can't remember what it was. Um, and so they were both leaving the show. And so uh, I had auditioned for the tour. And so uh, they called me and said, hey, we want to hire you for the tour, but we, we, we you know, figured we'd offer you Broadway instead. And I was like, Buh okay. <laughs> so, you know, I had the long hair. And so I was, they hired me pretty much uh, primarily to cover Constantine. And so, um, wow. And so, yeah, so I did, I was, I was his understudy for the last, 
oh gosh, I don't know, five, six months of the run at the Brooks Atkinson. And then the show closed there. And then, uh, and then I, I booked Bonnie and Clyde after that as um, uh, an understudy for Clyde and for Buck. And um, then that show closed after 30 days, uh, which was, you know, devastating, but it was heartbreaking. But uh, after that show closed, Rock of Ages called and said, hey, you know, would you want to come back to the show now that it's at the Helen Hayes and play Drew? And I was like, hell yeah. yes. So yes, yeah, so I played Drew for, uh, God, it was, had to have been like close to ooh, somewhere in between 500, 600 performances. Wow. Yeah, just so, over a year and a half. But you got the understudy experience pretty quick into moving to New York. So what was did, that? Yeah. Like? What was the challenge of learning how to be an understudy? And were you a swing too ever or were you just an understudy? Yeah, so I was a swing in Rock of Ages okay. um, and, and, and also in Bonnie and Clyde. But um, it's, and so it was, it's, it's so funny how, you know, uh, each show structures their understudies and their swings differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like certain roles, you know, the swing will have, you know, the uh, first, I don't even know what you call it. Like the like first, their, their first call for that role. And yeah, so like when it came to Rock of Ages and it came to like the dance role, like Joey Primo, I was like, the third person on the list to play that role. Um, but uh, yeah, so I got to be a swing and um, an understudy and, and they're, they're very difficult jobs. A, a good friend of mine is, um, he's, he, I like to lovingly refer to him as uh, Broadway's super swing. His name's Tony Lepage. Okay. Um, and he's, he was in rock, he was a swing in Rock of Ages as well um, throughout the entire run of the Helen Hayes. So for like four and a half years, something like that. Uh, he covered every single male role in the show from Franz, who's supposed to be like 17 ish, yeah. all the way to Hertz, who's supposed to be in his 50s, you know. Um, and he's currently, well, until the pandemic, he was the swing um, on uh, Come From Away, the male swing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I've heard um, his name before. Yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. He's, he's, he is just a, a legit chame chameleon. He, he can literally fill in anybody's shoes and skin. It's like yeah. it's crazy. Swings and understudies are MVPs. Oh, a hundred percent. He has, without a doubt, the hardest job on Broadway. Like, I, I would, I would put his job up against anybody's uh, performing performance-wise. Yeah. Yes, for sure. So, when you got the call to be Takeover as Drew and Rock of Ages, what was your reaction initially? Because that's an iconic role. Yeah. Um, so I was actually out doing. Uh, I was touring a little mini tour of. Uh, of Kind of the northeast with a uh, queen symphonic show i was singing queen music with a live symphony uh oh, with yeah with a couple of good friends and um i was actually back i'll never forget i was backstage and uh we were in the middle of rehearsal and i got the phone call and i was like oh my god and then i got to go out and sing i i i want to say it was like we are the champions or something but it was probably like uh you know tie your mother down or something but uh yeah it was awesome and you have, you, okay, you do have a rock voice, but I feel like you also like have a voice that like has such a, that has a range and you mm -hmm. can like sing a lot of songs because like you've done shows where it's not just rock. How do you work on that range and like be able to sing pretty much almost anything, like any role that uh, someone would cast you in? So I, um, I, I come from a, from a very much, you know, rock and roll music 
background. You're like my my family, my parents raised me on the Who and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and you know all the great rock and roll you know icons. And so rock and roll is my passion. Rock music is my passion, and telling the story through rock and roll is is really what I what I love to do. And and that's kind of why I, I've I've really wanted to kind of corner that that part of the market in, in musical theater. I want I want to be you know, uh, uh, known for doing rock musicals. And so um, that's kind of what it had influenced the way that I, I learned to sing and, and the way that I have learned to cultivate my own voice. Um, but I quickly learned that diversity is, is a pretty big deal in this business. And so you have to be willing and able to kind of jump into different shoes. And so um, a, a lot of it just, just uh, kind of came from listening to different singers that I thought were just incredible. Like, you know, Steve Barton, um, he was one of the original Marius's in Les Mis. He, he passed away uh, about like, I think a decade or so ago. Um, he's just, um, just this amazing Barry tenor, just like classic musical theater voice. And just like, I latched onto him, uh, Bob Cuccioli, who, who's now a great, uh, a great friend of mine, which is kind of blows my mind because I grew up like idolizing this man and his voice. Um, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, I mean, like, come on. It's, it's yeah. just like, you get to um, like, be like, I, I grew up listening to you singing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we've had many discussions about it, and, and uh, it's it, it's always kind of funny. He, he gets very embarrassed when I sing his praises, but uh, but yeah. So you know, I listen. I just kind of listen to all these you know great singers that I felt like I would like to emulate, and and kind of borrowed from them and learned how they were shaping their vowels and how they were you know shaping their their musical phrases and and how you know kind of watching them sing and, and figuring out how they're breathing this kind of stuff. And so. Um, like uh, when it came time to do Tony and West Side Story, um, I did that show in, Sac uh, in um, um, at Sacramento Music Circus. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I yeah, I had to. I, so I had to borrow from from that you know kind of uh, research that I had done just just to be able to 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 make sure that I wasn't you know disgracing you <laughs> disgracing yeah exactly yeah. the stage with my rock voice. <laughs> so that's that's impressive that. You that you have learned to not only sing rock but can sing everything. But you have like the rock voice is like so like it's so natural and effortless. I listened to the video of you singing "Don't Stop Believing" before this, and I was like, it like sounds like he's not even like like you can tell that he's trying, but it sounds like it's like effortless and it doesn't like even like it's like gymnasts when they're flipping. And like, you're like, how are they doing that and making it look easy? <laughs> you're like making it sound easy. Yeah, vocal gymnastics, right? Yeah. Yeah. You make which, it uh, which video was that that you saw? Uh, I think it was, was it... like six years ago, maybe? Was it, did I have long hair or was it short hair and like a gray? I think you had shorter hair in it. Oh man, so I think that that's from, um, I did this uh, concert. It was like a Broadway Loves Orlando for the Pulse nightclub shooting. It was that. I'll never, I'll never forget that because this is my like the, the this is an audience of two thousand of my friends and like people that I grew up with and they were all there and like this is my like I it was like a big homecoming for me. It was so I've never been more nervous in my entire life than singing that song really? for those people under those circumstances, a hundred percent because we were there, you know, to to honor the yeah. victims of uh, the victims of this massacre and and you know and it happened in this Pulse was the first ever. Uh, club of any kind that I had ever been to like you know it was the first you know you know being a, in a musical theater program of course it's it's you know kind of like you're done with the day you go out and have a good time and party and that's where they wanted to go so that's where we went and it was 
on the, I mean, I, I can still picture those rooms. And, and so it was a very emotional day for me. So I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the kind words about that performance, but it's one of those that I watched and I'm like, oh God. Well, it sounds so, it sounds so effortless and it's, it's amazing how you Well, thank that. you. How do you play characters that other people have played so much in the past and kind of like put your own spin on it then? Like iconic characters, because you've also played Peter Parker in Spider-Man, which like is known for like anyone who's, see who's read the comic books knows Spider-Man. Anyone who sees the movies knows Spider-Man. Like it's known, very few people don't know what Spider-Man is. <laughs> totally, and, and this has kind of, you know, been the, um... It's kind of been the, the the whole struggle with with my career for the last few years is that um, you know I started as an understudy and uh, as a swinging understudy and then I and then I uh, you know replaced uh, in, in two roles on Broadway and I kind of started feeling like man I I like I'm I'm having a hard time you know being able to express my voice and 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 what it is that I want to bring to the table and to the stage right and so. Um, my manager and I had had at the time had discussed, um, you know, let's let's find a show that it, that you can develop your own character. You know what I mean? And, and be uh, and make make it. Sorry, there's a truck going by. Sorry about that. No problem. Uh, and uh, you know, and make make your voice be the be the voice that other people will have to will have to you know uh, emulate from here on out. Yeah. So that's. That's what I've been focusing on because it is difficult, you know. It is because you, you do have to fill in somebody's shoes, and uh, while you're given a little bit of, of freedom and liberty to make it your own, you really do have to kind of. I mean, you have to respect what's come before, right? And 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 it's so it's uh, it's, it's a big challenge because um, you know like when I stepped into Constantine's shoes, um, you know, uh, it, it, he he was working with a cast for years that that was used to the way he did the show, right? And he was so brilliant in that role and just so like, you know, he, he brought so much sweetness and kindness and, and he was so aloof and, and wonderful. And so people were used to playing off of that character in that specific way. So I, there's not really much I could do, you know? Um, so I kind of had to adhere to, to, uh, to uh, the, what, what had come before me. And, um, and, I, and I love doing it. I loved every second of it. It's one of my favorite roles of all time. Same thing with Spider-Man, you know? Um, the only difference with that show is that when Reeve left the show, they were kind of trying to figure out, you know, how to, um, they, they, they kind of wanted to, to, to make the show a little more kid friendly. And okay. so, and so a lot of the, a lot of the big dramatic moments were kind of being, we, 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 we were looking to like downplay them a little bit, you know? Um, so that was kind of fun because we got to kind of explore some new territory there, but it, but it was, they were trying to figure it out. It just didn't really work very well. And so, um, but, uh, but yeah, it was more of the same kind of, you know, filling in someone else's shoes and, and trying to make sure that, that the show was staying this, uh, you know, towing the same line. And so, um, so that the last six years, five or six years now, I've been mostly focused on, um, you know, workshops of new shows, developing new characters, this kind of thing. And it's, it's going extremely well. And like you said before, it takes a long time for these things to make it to the stage. So. It it does, but it, I feel like it's probably worth it in the end. Yeah, totally. Have you had anyone come up to you after shows like Rock of Ages and Spider-Man and be like, I love how you, like any repeat audience members come up and be like, I like how you portrayed this differently or like this differently. Yeah, uh, especially with Rock of Ages because that show had so many super fans. I mean, there's, there, were, there, was a, there were a few fans. Um, there's one fan named Abe uh, Calamag who had seen the show over 500 times, you know, wow. um, 
And so he would say, I mean, even performance to performance of my own performances, he'd be like, oh, I like how you did this differently than last night. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, like it's kind of crazy that he, he notices those things. But yeah, yeah, that, that happens all the time. That's what makes live theater so special is getting to see other people perform and take on certain characters. Like, I don't know, I love that. Going to see a show multiple times and like seeing an understudy on one night and then a different understudy on the next night and then the lead the normal lead on the next night and be like, oh, this is how they play the characters differently. This is what I like. Yeah. Like, I like this, that how they play this or say this line differently. 100%. What was the first time putting on the Spider-Man suit like for you? Was it like, wow? Because were you a fan as a child growing up of Spider-Man? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, <laughs> 100%, yeah. Massive fan, massive nerd. I'm a, I'm a huge comic book fan. Um, uh, I, um, I just moved into this, this house, this, you know, into a new house. And so when my parents, you know, they were like, Oh good, you're, you're out of an apartment now. We can bring all your boxes of crap that we have still on the end, you know, in, in our basement. So I've got all my comic books and action figures from when I was a kid all downstairs right now. And like, I got to figure out what to do with them, you know? Um, but yeah, massive star Wars fan, big star Trek fan, big Marvel fan. Um, just, I can't describe to you that feeling of putting that costume on the first time. It was, it was, it, it never got old. Every single night, uh, there was a moment in the show where I had to make this incredibly fast, quick change at the at the end of the show, and I got had to go from the Peter Parker uh, costume into the Spidey costume, and uh, and I'll never forget every single time. Uh, I had, had to get, it was like a one minute quick change in, into the, you know, into the suit and then climb up a ladder, get hooked into something and then do like this big like drop onto the stage. And every single night that I did it, I'd be climbing the ladder. And as I'm climbing the ladder, I'm looking at my hands and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm Spider-Man. I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, I mean like, and I'm climbing up a, you know, wall right now. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And I tried to buy one of the suits, but they were like, well, that'll be, six thousand dollars and i was like no i'm, I'm good <laughs> did any of the marvel creators have a hand in the musical ever i don't i don't believe so i, I know that they eventually were trying to get a, a comic book tie-in um but i don't i don't think that they were involved no i don't think marvel because this is before the mcu this is before marvel studios was even a thing yeah, right? yeah. i mean really so um so no, no, they they didn't. Uh, the only the only person that ever came around was the guy that wrote the Amazing Spider-Man, the one with Andrew Garfield. Oh, um, he, he came to see the show a couple times. Yeah, um, but uh, no, I don't think Marvel was really. Oh, it's Dan Lee, of course, came and saw the show, um, which is kind of cool. But, wow, did you meet yeah. him backstage? Very, very briefly. Um, and uh, well, actually, I got to meet Brian May from Queen. We got, we hung out for like an hour before the show, and I was I was kind kind of cool. Oh. Uh, that's mind-blowing. Do you have a favorite backstage experience from any show you've been in, like someone you've met backstage who you were like, whoa, this person came to see me in a show? I gotta say Brian May was pretty was pretty uh, incredible. Um, we got to see Journey came to Rock of Ages uh, with, their, with a new lead singer uh, that they had found. Um, and, and so that was pretty incredible. I mean, God, yeah, I mean, I've gotten to, gotten to work on so many amazing shows that have, have, have attracted so many musicians. I mean, so I did Jesus Christ Superstar Live um, yeah. on NBC. And so I got to work with, you know, John Legend and Alice Cooper and all those guys. And so it was, you know, there were celebrities showing up to that all the time. Um, Angela Weber, I actually kind of have a 
I have a pretty good Angela Lover story if you want to hear it. Yes, please. Right. And I have to ask you about Jesus Christ Superstar and what it's like filming a musical for the for television. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty good. Let me preface it by saying it's pretty crazy. I can um, imagine. It's different than being on stage and having an audience come because like there's cameras all around. Kind of, but you know what's really weird is that when we actually did the live performance, we didn't I, like the, the the cameras were so seamlessly integrated into what we were doing that it felt like we were doing a show. I mean, it really wow. did. It was so incredible. I mean, like aside from aside from the commercial breaks, we would cut, everything would stop and we kind of just kind of like breathe for a second, like look around, and the audience was like cheering and stuff like that. Aside from that, it really didn't feel like any different than doing a live show. It was, and there was an audience too, right? Yeah, it was a full audience. Yeah. So that probably helped. The it was. It was it, I, I, there's, there's, there's no way I could possibly ever explain how cool that night was. It was the coolest night of my entire life. It was so amazing. Um, well, what's the Andrew Lloyd Webber story? Because like. Okay. Let's so, so I, um, I was hired uh, to be in the production uh, to play one of the priests and to be in the ensemble. But I was also hired because John Legend was, um, it, was a, it was about a seven and a half week rehearsal process from our first rehearsal to the night we went live. And so John was only there for the first like week and a half and like the last two weeks. What? So yeah, I mean, so you know, he's John Legend. He's, he, was, yeah. he was, you know, touring. I think he was in Taiwan. He was like, he was all over the world. What's that? Say it again. He's doing 500 things at once. Oh yeah, uh, and having a baby at the same time. Like his his wife was yeah. like very pregnant, and like uh, they actually <laughs> even had a contingency plan. Like, well, if she gives birth, we're gonna have to, you know, like postpone do it the next week, or whatever. So um, I was hired to be his understudy um, and or rehearsal stand-in or whatever you want to call it. Um, and um, so when he was gone, I I was playing Jesus, and so for all of the run-throughs and all of the you know uh, all the all the rehearsals before we went to, into the studio um i was playing his role and kind of getting it all figured out with the whole with the whole crew and the whole cast and so for five weeks i got to kind of step into his shoes which was amazing so i got to do you know i got to do all the scenes with sarah Morales and brandon victor dixon and all these people and so famously there is this song that has that has been uh They've been trying to get into the show for a long time. They'd or, or had always the intended the show. What's that? The stage version of the show for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So there's the song that that um, Angela Weber and Tim Rice had always been trying to add in between "Dance for All Time" and "The Last Supper." Okay. And they thought, well, this might be a cool opportunity to do that. You know, like just like to you know uh, feature this brand new song for this big, huge live event. And so um, after rehearsal one day they said a uh, Justin, Sarah and Brandon, um, tomorrow you guys are gonna go into the studio, Angela Dupper is gonna come and you guys, the four of you are gonna go into a studio and he's gonna teach you this song and you guys need to record it so we can send it off to John so he can learn it. And I was like, excuse, excuse me, we're gonna do what, what now? With and who? so um, I, I'd met him briefly, uh, you know, a couple of days before because he was there. And so we were like singing, what's the buzz and like all this kind of stuff. And I was getting to sing Jesus. And so um, I got to meet him, uh, you know, very briefly then, but like, I was about to spend a day with him, like in a rehearsal and studio. It, yeah. And not just with him, but with Sarah Varellis and Brandon Victor, you know, like all these amazing people. It's like, oh my God. So 
I was a little nervous to say the least. And um, so we go and, 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 you know, the three of us get into a car and we go out there and, and we meet them there at the rehearsal at the recording studio. And it's just the four of us in this space with the piano player and, and like a uh, audio tech working in the booth. And he's teaching us these songs and, um, or this song. And he's like, no, 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 Sarah, when, when you sing the E flat, make sure that you sing it with, you know, and he's, he's, he's doing this very Andrew Lloyd Webber thing. And, and, yeah. and, and every now and then he do this and, do that and, and then he keep going and I was like wait what what and we're kind of looking like, what is this so he has this kind of strange affliction where he overproduces tears his eyes overproduce tears they water so he instead of having a napkin I'm sure at one point in his life he probably had like a napkin but he yeah. just at this point he's like I don't, I don't care I can do whatever I want I'm gonna do whatever and so he wipes his eyes and, and he eats his tears so Angela Weber eats his own tears like he totally, you know, it's like, a, it's like, it's a very humanizing thing that I noticed about him. And like, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, cool. Now we can do this. You know, like, now, like, now, I'm, now I'm comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Like we're on <laughs> equal playing field. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of, you know, but like, he's like, he's definitely a human being, you know? Yeah. Now. Human, yeah. You, you yeah. saw him as a human being in that moment, which is like really cool seeing someone who's like a legend and has written so many, so much famous music in Broadway shows, like. A hundred percent. I always tell people as a joke, if I ever do like a cabaret or like a 54 Below show or something like that, I would call it Angela Weber's Eats His Own Tears. Well, and you'd have, you'd have to invite him, like send him an invite, be like, I don't know if you can make it, but here. Yeah, right, watch me get a cease and desist. Like, I, I gotta stop telling the story now because he's like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want anybody to know, you know? No. <laughs> did, did he ever like say anything like to you, like about your singing? Or, oh yeah I mean he was he was he was pretty focused on like you know making sure that this thing was going to be a success because it was we, we were doing a lot of new things uh this was a very ambitious project that by all accounts should not have worked like I mean, our, our director our director David Laveau um uh, right before we went on for the for, for the live taping he said listen things have gone so well that if, if you guys don't mess something up tonight, I'm going to be very upset at you. He's like, you all better. He's like, you, he's like, this, none of this is supposed to work as well as it did. So if you guys don't screw something up, I'll be pissed. You know, that kind of thing. Hey, and it worked. Yeah. Yeah. And it had so many cool effects on like on the screen watching from TV. It was just like, it was hard to look away yep. because of all the, of everything that was going on, the lighting the ensemble as a whole, like it, it gives you chills. And it's also like everyone who normally doesn't maybe get to go to New York to see shows gets to see a musical from their, yes. from their own home, which is also really cool and special. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, it's, it's live, it's happening then and there in that moment, there's nothing's being filtered. Nothing is being altered. It was a hundred percent just us just us you know what i mean and so there's this like i i, I don't know how we did it i honestly don't know how or why or, or why we uh were able to do this thing without it just falling apart i i it blows my mind well and it was probably it was advertised it was definitely advertised as the main tv event of the night that night totally so the ratings afterwards were probably really fun to look at oh god they were amazing yeah they were it was it was a, it was a massive success so out of the Broadway roles that you've done, going back to Broadway, what role would your, would, 
I mean, I know you want to originate a role, but what role would you want to take on again in as your present day self? A role that I've already played? Yeah, on Broadway. <laughs> oh man. Um, I mean, I got to I got to to play Drew again in Rock of Ages um, at, the, at the Pittsburgh Civic Light Opera. Um, Ooh. Last year, or well, God, not last year because we've been in a pandemic for a year. But uh, the yeah, in yeah, twenty. Yeah. In 2019, um, they called and said, "Hey, you know, we're doing Rock of Ages for our summer, our summer season, and um, we'd love you to come and you know uh, reprise your role." And so I said, "Sure." So I got to go do it again. Um, so that was strange because it had been years, you know. And so all of a sudden, I'm I'm stepping into the, into this show and into this role that I'd done so many times, and I was like falling right back into it, just like like no time had passed. It was pretty incredible. Was it Pittsburgh CLO? Yeah. Yeah. They they have good theater in Pittsburgh. I went there for a show last last year and it's massive. Yeah. It's huge. Fantastic theater. I wasn't expecting Pittsburgh to have like I don't know. I you just don't expect like the cities between NYC and LA to have massive theater like that. What what show did you see? I I went to see Greece last year. Or oh no. whatever. What twenty twenty didn't count. <laughs> that I think that was that was the same year as Rock of Ages actually. Yeah. So Jackie I, Burns, my good friend yeah. Jackie Burns was in that, in that production. Yes. Yeah. It was so good. Uh, so I have to bring up, I'm excited to bring up FTR because you've also done FTR yeah. productions. Yes. Being based in LA, I know FTR. So it's a huge West Coast thing. You've done Love Ashley and Baz in Vegas. Yeah. Love Ashley in LA, Baz in Vegas. How did you hear about FTR and get involved in FTR? Um, they had, so for Baz, I, they had come to the city and auditioned uh, for this Baz, this new Baz Luhrmann review that, that I was like, that sounds pretty badass. So uh, I, I went and auditioned for that. And, um, and that's kind of how that, that's kind of how the whole relationship started was I, I had just auditioned for them when they came to New York looking for, uh, for Christians for their Moulin Rouge segment. Wow. So yeah. did, like, what was your initial reaction when like you heard what FTR was? For those who don't know, it's like they combine movies that Baz Luhrmann has done and like put them all in a musical. And it's like something that's rarely, that's rarely done, I feel like, in musical theater. So for me, it was, uh, I, so I'm, a, uh, I'm a massive film score nerd. I love film scores. Um, so you know, John Williams, Danny Elfman, Hans Zimmer, you know, James Newton Howard, I mean, uh, Howard Shore, all these, these kind of uh, storytellers, and these are our modern day, you know, composers, our Mozarts, our, our you know, our Beethovens, they, they, they're, you know, they tell you how to feel when you're watching a movie, quite honestly, and um, so I, when I got this, when I kind of realized what they were trying to do, what they were attempting to do, and doing it successfully, uh, which was kind of combine the world of film and theater and you know kind of using uh film scores as as a way to bridge that gap i was like that's kind of that's brilliant that's a really yeah. damn good idea so um that's kind of how i got you know turned on to to to, to what one of those they were doing and I, I really 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 wanted to see the scorsese one i had some friends that were in that and um and i, I i'm so bummed that i didn't get to see that one but it, when theater comes back, I'm sure that show will come back because FTR is huge in LA and like something that's been happening for years. So, do you know Justin Mortaletti? 
Uh, I saw him in one of the FTR shows. I don't know him, but I saw him in one of the FTR shows. He lives like right, right there. He lives like four <laughs> houses down from me right here. Oh. And, Ken- and Kennedy Coggle, uh, you know, my super U co-star, yeah. she lives like literally across the street from me here. It's so crazy. This is like, this whole area is just full of performers. Uh, it's, the, it's the Broadway street. Yeah. <laughs> Musical uh, theater but, street. But I love them. I, that, that whole company is so great. Um, for the record, it's just, you know, um, Every, everyone that's involved is just so professional and so sweet and, and just so passionate about what they're doing. And um, they've been, they've, they've been very, very good friends and I, I, I miss them very much. Was the Las Vegas audience fun to perform in for? No. No? Were they like, were they like pretty like out of it maybe during the show or? They were, I mean, they were quiet. They were like, a lot yeah. of them were quiet. They were, they were either quiet or hammered yeah maybe they you know? didn't know how like theater etiquette <laughs> yeah you know it, las vegas is a strange beast because musical theater doesn't tend to do well there because people don't casinos don't want want people to have their uh attention span you know uh focused on uh two and a half hour musical They're you know like that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Focus on get, get them back to the casino, get their, get them gambling, you, you know, yeah. get them spending money because like, even like, so even the, the Broadway shows like Phantom and Jersey Boys and Mama Me, all the shows that were in Las Vegas, they're they all 90 minute versions because they didn't want people to be off the casino floor for that long. So it's tricky. And so um, Baz, I feel like was like a pageantry show for the Venetian to have. And they were like, hey, we, you know, we, we are a little more highbrow. We have this thing, you know, so like it would be like an incentive for some of their high rollers, you know, they would say, hey, we, you know, here's some tickets to this show. And so they'd be like, oh, okay. And so a lot of people that were coming to see it weren't necessarily there because they were seeking it out, but theater. yeah, not because they love theater, exactly. Um, and so it was a lot of foreign audiences too, which is fine, but like, uh, you know, culturally, uh, especially in a lot of uh, Asian cultures, they don't they don't clap uh in during shows um this actually fa- famously is, is what it happens a lot at phantom and at wicked uh because those shows have been running for such a long time that they have such a massive uh you know uh, uh following in, in other countries and so a lot of people from from uh you know china and japan they'll come and they'll they'll they'll, they'll reserve all of their yeah all of their applause for the end of the show and then they'll go wild they'll go nuts but it's That's it's a little yeah, it's so weird to perform for those kinds of audiences because you're like, do they like this show? I don't know. I can't really tell. It's kind of like sporting events. Like people run, like people who perform for audiences normally like the applause and the cheer and like like people being involved. And it's like when someone's, when an audience isn't involved, it's like, what is happening? Or when there's no audience like this year for sporting events, like why is it so quiet? Well, not just that, but also like there, there are built-in moments, you know, like, okay, so we, we know to expect yep. a reaction here from the audience and we don't want them to miss what comes right after that. So we'll, we'll allow for a little bit of time to breathe. And then all of a sudden you're doing that and then there's nothing that happens. And so you have to jump right back into the action because your expectation is that they're going to be applauding or they're going to be, oh, you know, like they're going to have some kind of reaction. And then when that doesn't happen, it, it can really throw off your performance, you know, um, you know. So I'm sure Love Actually in LA was a little more fun to perform in because the audience was more involved, probably. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, Love Actually was was so great. I love that movie so much. Um, 
it was it was difficult because so much of the movie was being shown. Yes. Um, did, you, did you see Love Actually? I forgot what year I saw that one in. I saw the one the, the year before it went into the big space in the small room at the Wallace. And then I okay. saw it the next year at the, like at the Wallace when it was in the big room and the movie was playing at the same time. And they were very different versions. Yeah. So did you see did you see it with um uh with with um Ruby Willis? No, what no, I didn't. Was Ruby in it? I, yes. Okay, uh, so that was the year was after the first I did year it. I saw it. And then I don't think she was in it the second year I saw it. Was Steve Kazee in it when you saw it? Yes. And Ashley was in it and uh Olivia Harris was still in it. And B Slade? Yes. Yes. So that's the one that I did. That's the year that I was in it. Okay. Wait. What? I I forgot what year it was, but. I played Mark. I, I had short hair, um, but I was the guy with the signs. Yeah, I think it was that year. So actually, and this guitar, this guitar is from that is from that performance. Really? Yeah. I fell in love with this guitar. They they bought it for me for the show, and I was like, like can I? <laughs> I was like, can I have this guitar? Can I buy it from you? It was when my first ask was, and they were like, you can just take it, just have it. And I was like, you serious? I'm like, yes. So I love them. I love them. Really, I love them so much. I'm just gonna just Shane and Steve and props from them. Yeah, exactly. That and it's such a good show because it's like gets you into the Christmas spirit. Probably they perform in it. So oh, 100 percent. I can imagine how fun it is. That was my first time working in LA ever, too. Really. Yeah. Was it your first time in California or no? Um, no, because I'd done, um, I was in Sacramento for, for a summer, yeah. Okay, but first time in LA, wow. Gotta come back for a tour sometime now because people have yeah. seen you in FTR, so. I'd love to do Rock of Ages in LA, that'd be a lot of fun. Yes, F I mean, FTR fans, once they see someone in a show, I feel like they're like, okay, they've gotta be in more shows in LA, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So actually, Ruby and I um, are, 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 are in a show that's in development right now. Oh, wait, what show? It's, uh, it's a new musical. Uh, it's called Mo <laughs> it's about Mozart. Oh my gosh, um, you're doing so much. So, yep. I got my hands in all the pots. Same so uh, I, I'm playing Mozart. Ruby is playing um, Nanurl Mozart, who is, who is Mozart's more talented sister. And the show is mostly uh, about their relationship and the fact that she she was kind of um, uh, it was kind of demanded upon her that she not pursue a career in music because she was a woman. Okay. And so what that what that did to her, what that did to her, her family dynamic, their relationship with her and her brother, um, and so it's pretty damn good. It's really really good. So be on the lookout wow. for that one. I'm excited. You're. Yeah, you're doing a lot. I'm excited to hear you sing more and get, like get more well known than you already are. Like, and see more people being like, "This guy, <laughs> this boy." <laughs> oh man! Like, let's talk about his rock voice more. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of shows you've done, you have you have a great list of shows and roles that you've already done. What? role would you like to take on in the future besides originating a new role um i'd love to do tommy okay tommy yeah that's a big one would, um would you have ever thought about next to normal 
I think that ship has passed for me. I think I'm too old to play Gabe now. But but would you have ever thought about that? Yeah, yeah, I would. I would love. I could totally. I, yeah. I get I, I get compared to Aaron a lot, um, <laughs> and um, which is which is great and, and and very you know and I and I I love that. But at the same time, it's like well, I don't want to be. Yeah. I don't want to be compared to Aaron. You know what I mean? Because I like what we do is very different. You know what I mean? Like I try to do. Um, and he, he's he's got this incredible like pop musical theater thing going on, and I don't I don't want to I don't really want to fit into that category. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but you're the rock vibe. I want to yeah I want to be the rock guy. You know? Yeah. And, um, but um, but yeah, that's a role that I would have I would have loved to have done. It's such a good it's such a good role. It's such great songs. Yes, for sure. It's such it's also an emotional <sighs> one, like the like the one you described earlier. It's an emotional. Yeah. Story, but good songs. Uh, yeah. So, what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you on stage? This is my favorite <laughs> question to ask. Oh boy. So, uh, God, how many times have I told this story? Um, <laughs> so, when I was doing Rock of Ages, there is this scene at the very beginning of the show where Lonnie, the narrator, he's all the way downstage and he's talking to the audience and like getting them hyped up for the show, you know, like explaining, like setting up the world, essentially setting up the world. And so my character comes out and um, Drew comes out and he, he kind of like does this big, like I ain't never going home, this cool thing. And then he, you know, runs into the bar and then he throws his guitar down, he picks up a broom and he starts like sweeping up the bar. Like, you know, so my yeah. whole thing was, I'm gonna get in, I get in the bar, I'm gonna grab the broom from over the bar and like, I would like swing it over my shoulder and like start like jamming out like I was like at a rock concert, like sweeping up the floor, right? And so I don't know why, but after like some four or 500 performances, I grabbed the broom and I hoisted it over my shoulder and I accidentally let go. And it goes whoosh, 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 bam! It smashes into a neon Corona beer bottle sign and explodes all over the stage. Glass explodes all over the stage. Sparks are flying all over the place. And I'm just like, uh, And this is like the show. <laughs> this is like the beginning of the show. It's like the first like two minutes of the show and there's glass all over the place. And I'm like, and all these women are about to come on stage barely wearing anything in high heels and they're supposed to like dance all sexy and stuff. And like, I'm like, well, what do I do? So, this dance, Nika Zhang, actually, one of our amazing dancers came out and was like, give me the broom. <laughs> and she like, she did this like sexy dance and she like, you know, swept up the floor. And, oh my God, but, uh, and they never let me live it down, of course. You're like, that was supposed to happen. <laughs> the audience yeah. that day, this is actually new in the show. <laughs> in fact, they never replaced it. They never replaced that, 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 that sign because they were like, we want you to remember what you did, you know? <laughs> Or, or they were like, in case he does it again, like then it, yeah. then it doesn't matter. It's already broken. <laughs> yep. It, it already happened, so we don't have to worry about anything breaking again if, if the broom hits it. <laughs> and one, one time in Spider-Man, my, my, um, I was supposed to be lifted off of a bed, and um, only half of my, uh, my the, 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 well, only one line was clipped in. So I, I got lifted on one side and just kind of like, spun around on one side for a good minute until they stopped the show to fix it. Was that <laughs> scary to like trust the, like to trust the contraptions that like made you fly in Spider-Man? 
Um, no, it was it was only ever really scary because uh, um, it, it it all depends on you. As long as you're doing what you're supposed to do, you're going to be fine. So I was only I was only ever scared. I wouldn't even say the word scared. I was only ever nervous or worried if I was just so tired that day for some reason that I was like not going to be like there was a couple flips that I had to do. And if I couldn't get all the way over, then then they'd have to stop the show because I'd be dangling upside down for a while. Right. Yeah. So um, there's a couple there was a couple days where I was just like, man, I'm so tired. I don't know if I can do this flip today. And but I did them. <laughs> did you have did you have to sing while you were doing that? Oh God, yeah. There was this song called "Bouncing Off the Walls," where like, and I like as Peter Parker, like I wake up with with my powers, and I'm in my bedroom, and and the walls and the floor and the roof all move independent of each other in that scene, and so I would be on my bed, and I'd I'd be like, uh, something else is coming up inside of me, something flip. It's coming deep inside of me, down and up, like upside down on the ceiling while singing, bouncing off the wall. My God. <laughs> yeah, like I, I go from the bed and I jump up and flip and be upside down on the ceiling and then flipping back down onto the bed and then flip over to this wall here, push out with my feet, do a rotation to this wall and then do another flip and do another rotation down to the ground and like do, then do like a spin in the air and flip over all while singing like, wow, John, they're not, you know, like, it was crazy. It was crazy. I, mean, I, can't, I can barely walk and like chew gum at the same time. Like, it's fine. It was a lot. It was, it was six weeks of physical uh, training for that role. Jeez. And yeah. a lot of exercise during the show. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's like, who needs the gym when you're doing all that, that you're doing on stage? I could eat whatever I wanted. It was awesome. That best part of the job, eat whatever you want. 100%. So in an industry like this, you have to work on self-confidence because like you get told no in audition rooms so much, I feel like. And like, and it takes a while before you get jobs. Uh, so how do you work on self-confidence in this industry? It, it's the single hardest thing that you, we have to endure and go through in this, in this industry. Um, every, uh, Every celebrity, every 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 person in, in this business hears no all the time, yeah. right? You just don't ever realize it because you're only seeing them do the things that they've gotten yeses for, right? Um, so, you know, it's it, it's never easy. Uh, it's it's always hard. It's always a struggle. I think for myself, I find that um, surrounding myself with people that aren't in the industry and kind of having other things to focus on other things other hobbies other interests um is what really helps me kind of um abandon that devastatingly you know depressing uh world of rejection quite yeah. honestly yeah because it's a lot you know it's it's a lot because how can you not take it personally like they're literally saying no to you you know what i mean to what you're bringing to the table but you know, 90% of, of auditioning has nothing to do, of casting has nothing to do with what it is that you brought to the table. It's just that you just weren't the guy, you know, or the girl. You weren't the person that they were looking for. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to convince somebody when they, when when as soon as you walk in the room, they go, oh, no, no, no. Like, oh, oh, I see. No, no, not him. You know what I mean? Wait, and then, and, one in mind. yeah, and, and then you've got to audition for them and like, they may go, oh, 
well, actually, that was kind of cool. I like what he did there. Maybe I'll have him come back in. Yeah. Well, that was kind of cool. I like what he, did, what he did there, but I really was hoping that this character would be, you know, have a beer. I don't know, whatever, you know? So it's really, it's a really strange um, world. It's a really strange world to navigate. And uh, it, it is not easy. It is very difficult. How long did it take you to realize that like most casting directors, when you walk in a room, like want you to be the one that books the role, you know? And like once, like once the next person who walk, who walks into the room to be like to fill the shoes of the character they're trying to cast. Um, it, it, it's not just the casting director, it's everybody behind the table. You know, they, they all want this to be quick. They, yeah. they want the first 10 people to fill those 10 slots. That, that way their job is done, you know? Um, it didn't take me very long, long to learn that that's, what, that's how it goes and that's, and that's what they want. Um, but there is, uh, there is something that, that, that I think happens a lot of times in casting where they will say, like a casting director will believe that, say, say they believe I'm the right person for the job, right? Yeah. then they'll pad they'll pad the audition with people who may not be right for it before me to set up the casting the 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 creative team for the person that they think is the most right that kind of, that kind of happens a lot i think um but you know i will say that that 95% of the auditions that i've gone on 95% of the rooms that i've auditioned in have been just like you can feel the energy that they're like oh please please be the guy you know please yeah. let this be the, be be it you know what i mean um, and you can tell when, 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 when it's going well, you can tell when you're the guy. Um, and that's a good feeling. <laughs> I, I can imagine it's like, okay, yes, there's a good chance that I can get this role. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else that you've been working on in quarantine that like that you'd want to promote? Yeah. So God, I've got, I've got a lot of, a lot going on. Um, the Super U, the musical, go to superuthemusical.com um, or superumusical.com, I'm not sure, but they have an Instagram page, they've got Twitter, they've got everything. Uh, you can find the demo on Spotify. Um, be on the lookout for Mozart. Uh, it is uh, gonna be so good. We did a, we did a, um, a reading for it um, uh, back in, God, I wanna say it was July, maybe August. It was uh, myself, Ruby Lewis, Anthony Rapp, Robert Cuccioli, just to name a couple people. Um, it was so good. Um, Mozart, oh, I've been doing, oh my God. So I did this, it's, it's, a, it's like a 12 and a half hour musical uh, radio drama podcast called The World to Come. Oh. It is a post-apocalyptic uh, comedy musical in the vein of you know, Rocky Horror Show meets like Toxic Avenger meets like, it's just, it is so weird and funny and cool. And uh, you have to check it out. It's called The World to Come. It is an audio, it is an uh, audio only musical. Um, and that. yeah, so it's, um, I mean, the cast is amazing. The creative team is amazing. Um, written by um, Eric Ransom, uh, Andy Peterson wrote the music. Um, it, Rachel Klein directed, it, it is, it is uh, really, really, really good. Um, it's it, especially if you're a geek, because it is all about being uh, the ultimate fan. You know what I mean? It's like there's yes. there's just a, a lot of a lot of fandom in there. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we worked on that. I'm still working on that actually. Um, I we we got, we're recording new songs for it all the time. Um, what else? 
I'll put the link down in the description too because like god knows everyone's going on walks these days and like listening to stuff on walks like podcast that's in podcast form like a musical that's the best thing to listen to on a walk (laughs) yeah check out the world to come you'll love it well that's amazing where can people follow you on social media to find out other things you've been up to during this time and things you're that are coming up in the future for you you can follow me on Instagram at Justin M. Sargent, J-U-S-T-I-N-M-S-A-R-G-E-N-T. Um, and I, you know, I don't have, I don't really do Twitter. I gotta, I gotta get a TikTok going. Like the, everybody's on TikTok now. You gotta get into the Bridgerton musical uh, hashtag thing. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? I haven't watched Bridgerton yet, but I'm so excited to watch it. It looks so good. I haven't watched it yet either. I was trying to watch it the other day and then my then I like fell asleep or something. I like, it was late. <laughs> And I was like, okay, maybe I'm gonna watch it like when I'm awake <laughs> instead. What have you what have you been doing during during this whole thing, during this whole quarantine? Uh going on walks, doing this, uh listening to Broadway albums on repeat, uh <laughs> hanging out with my family. Yeah. What's your favorite musical? Oh huh? Favorite musical. Oh that's so hard right now. I have so many. Wicked Duh, and I saw Town during previews, and that was just, like, mind-blowing. Yeah, Sound's great. It was mind-blowing to watch. Yep. Are you also doing uh, master classes with, like, a site like Artists and Beyond, too? Oh, uh, like yes. Yeah, so yep, with Artists okay. and Beyond, um, also with uh, Broadway, Broadway Booker. I'm also, uh, j- if you just want to send me like a, a DM on Instagram, whatever, like uh, I, I also book my own uh, through, through my own uh, portal. Um, um, yep. So yeah, I do voice lessons, acting, acting, coaching, audition prep, audition coaching. Um, I do a lot of master classes just for like uh, school systems, you know, just like a lot of Q&As, uh, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and, and uh, a lot of the voice stuff that I that I talk about is a little different. Uh, I like to talk about um, cheating and brain trickery. Okay. I'll give you I'll give you one I'll give you one quick little tip yeah. real quick. Something that's gonna bl- hopefully blow your mind because you said you're a big you, you love Wicked. Okay. Yes. You, you've you've heard the song The Wizard and I a million times, right? Yeah. Duh. Pull. Can you pull it up real quick? Wizard and I. Yeah. Let's see if it works. Just the last ten seconds. Just pull it up the last ten seconds. Wait, where should I play it from? Hold on. I can maybe play it from my phone. Okay. Ah! So let me, while you're doing that, let me preface this by saying that in the world of musical theater, everybody cheats. Everybody cheats when they're singing. Everybody, including Adina Menzel. And she does it brilliantly in the song, The Wizard and I. And I'll tell you why she does it after you hear what she does. Okay, wait, when, do you know the time code? You go to the last 10 seconds of the song. Okay, last 10 seconds. Just. Wait, can you hear it? Yeah. Yeah, one more time. Just that last 
That last wizard and I, just that last one. I'm trying to like do the fast forward thing. <laughs> I'm rewind things. Pause it. Okay, perfect. I paused what is the name? What's the name of the song? Wizard and I. She doesn't say that at the end. She says the wizard and lie. The wizard and lie. Now listen. Wait, wait, wait. The wizard and lie. What? I did hear it. You aren't lying. I did hear it. So wow. there's, a, there's a reason why she does this. Because the wizard and I is so hard to sing, especially when you're belting that crazy high note up there, right? And I. You are, you are starting the, the, the and I with a diphthong and you are stopping the word and you're stopping everything that's coming out of your mouth and, and then going right back into, and I'm sorry, not a diphthong, a glottal onset. And is a glottal onset. D is you're, you're stopping everything from happening and, and then back to a glottal onset, I. And if you say the wizard and I, you never actually have to stop the, 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 uh, the sound from coming out of your mouth. You just temporarily flick it with the flick of, the, of your tongue. You kind of temporarily stop that, that sound from coming out. If you but do a hard D, it stops everything. It, it, it just forces your, your anatomy to work so much harder. So a way to get around that is the wizard and lie, and you'll never know it. You'll never know because it sounds the same because you've heard yeah. a phrase a billion times already in the song. So she cheats. She does but something you only know if you listen for that. If you listen for that. But she has, and it's brilliant because she has to do this song eight times a night, eight times a week, every single night. And it's, it's stressful, it's strenuous, it's, it's hard. So you have to look for places where you can go, okay, I can get away with this here because no one's ever gonna know. No one's ever gonna know. And it doesn't really matter if, because, because the vocal gymnastics are so impressive anyway. Yeah, that's shocking. Boom. I had no clue. Boom. And that happens a lot? More than you would possibly believe, yeah. Wow, I'm so curious. I'm so interested in looking up on what shows that's happened then. <laughs> Whoa, that's an amazing tidbit. So lastly, I'm gonna put all the links and stuff you've mentioned down in the description for anyone who's listening or watching to, to go to and find. Uh, so lastly, what are you looking forward to when theater can come back in a live setting, not virtual? I'm looking forward to that first rehearsal. I'm looking forward to that first, you know, day of tech. I'm looking forward to that first audience. I'm looking forward to hearing people coming into the theater. Um, I'm looking forward to sitting down in a, in, a, in a seat and watching the lights come down and watching my friends up on stage doing what they love. Um, I, I just, I, you know, it, there's just it's it's irreplaceable it's completely irreplaceable and i think we're learning that as a culture now and um you know I, I know there's a lot of fear about people 
you know, are, are saying, well, are, are people going to want to come back to the theater because are they going to be too scared to be that close to people? And I, and I say, hell yes. Yes. Because we've been without human interaction or most human interaction for so long that it's like, we miss it. Even if like, you're not a big fan of the human interaction and you're kind of an introvert, yep. you miss it too. Even if you have to wear a mask in the theater, you know, like pe people are going to go, people are going to come, they're going to flock. They, they miss it. They love it. They want it. Look, I don't think anyone's the biggest fan of masks, but like if that's what it takes for theater to come back, like yeah. mask wearing, I'll, I'll do it any day. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, you know, in the winter, they're actually kind of great because it, it kind of keeps you warm, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I figured that out. And then I'm like, okay, I can get on this. <laughs> like instead of wearing a scarf to cover your mouth, you can wear a mask. Yeah. Well, anyways, thank you for coming on and talking to me on this and sharing that tidbit about The Wizard and I and other um, other cheats and shows. Like that's well, I'm sorry if I've ruined that song forever for you now. No, that's mind-blowing. And I love facts like that in theater. And now I'm going to listen for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be like, guess what? Guess what? People, like, they're not actually saying what you think they're saying. <laughs> it's all a lie. It's a lie, pun intended. Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. Or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Backstage with Becca B. Make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye!